Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B-Squared and the host of the Sendcast. If this is your first podcast with us, then welcome. The aim of the podcast is really simple. We want everyone to learn more and more about special educational needs and disability. And in this episode, we're discussing turning differentiation on its head. Now, differentiation has a bit of a bad name at the moment, but is it all because we don't quite understand it? So how can making adjustments for your neurodivergent learners help your other pupils? My guest is Katrina Lowry, a neurodivergent former Senko and advisory teacher with a dual diagnosis of bipolar and dyslexia. She is the founder and director of NeuroTeachers, supporting schools and businesses to improve neuroinclusion. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B-Squared. We are here to help show the small sets of progress pupils with CND make. And we help schools to show progress for a wide range of abilities and ages, and not just in England. We also do the new curriculum for Wales and also the um, curriculum for excellence from Scotland. So if you're struggling to show progress in one of those curriculums, we can help. But did you know you can use B-Squared's assessment software for more than just pupils with SEND? You can now assess all pupils in one system, saving you time, saving you money, and simplifying the whole assessment and data processes. Visit the B-Squared website or click on the meeting link in the show notes to book a meeting with me to take you through our assessment software. Let's get on with the podcast. On this week's show, we're discussing turning differentiation on its head. How do you support the other 29 pupils? My guest is Katrina Lurry, the founder and director of NeuroTeachers. Katrina is a neurodivergent former Senko and advisory teacher with a dual diagnosis of bipolar and dyslexia. Katrina started NeuroTeachers to help schools and businesses to improve their neuroinclusion. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Differentiation is getting a lot of bad news at the moment. New phrases coming in. Mm-hmm. People are unclear, unclear in the understanding of what differentiation is and what is expected of them. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the beginning and let's discuss what differentiation is and isn't. Okay, well, there was this newfangled idea that started in 1804 by a German pedagogic called Herbert. And he said, he talked, it talks about this idea of pedagogical tact. And a quote from him is, a tactful teacher will accurately assess the needs of individuals in the classroom and make appropriate decisions to allow the student to make the most out of the lesson. So that was originally uh, pedagogical tact, which is otherwise known as differentiation. So it's got about 220 years of research behind it. It's not newfangled in any way, shape or form. And if it's done properly, then it works. But the problem is, is that even though it's very clearly in the teaching standards and it's been part of teacher training since I trained many, many, many years ago in the late 90s, it isn't implicitly clear to teachers how to go about this. The book that I'm writing is called The Other 29. And the reason is, is because not out of any kind of malice or any kind of ill will, but teachers will often say to me, well, I've got to do this and this and this for him. What am I supposed to do with The Other 29? And my message is, good differentiation should be for everyone. Yep. And, you know, like, for example, I'm neurodivergent. We talk about the neurodiversity movement. The idea behind that is that there are lots of different neurotypes, including neurotypical, which is most people, is 80% of people. So if you're doing your differentiation right, it should be adapting not only for the children who are neurodivergent and have those range of needs, but also it should be really, really helping the other children to learn. And that's kind of my whole mission, really. I like I like in that definition, it gets its birthday next year, 200 years old, is it didn't say anything about lowering your expectations mm-hmm. or it is only for pupils where you have lower expectations. Mm-hmm. I literally just heard it, yeah, as what will help each child get the most out of this lesson. Yes. Yeah? That's all I heard. Yeah. Yeah. So for some, it might be you have to give them a little dictionary or some way to help them with some spelling mm-hmm. or maybe some complex words. Uh, another child, you, uh, you have nothing, but another child, 
you might have some sentence starters or things like that, mm-hmm. but you still haven't changed what they're working towards. Now, no. for someone else, you might change what they're working towards, but not a million miles away. You, It should be on the same scale, mm-hmm. yeah? working towards the same thing, trying to access the same text, trying to do all that so they are included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Differentiation isn't the polar opposite. No. It's different. If if we you and me went to a Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. what would you order? Well, I'm vegan, so I'd order whatever's vegan on the menu. So you'd probably do something tofu or something, something tofu. or yeah, vegetable. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I probably would go for crispy shredded beef. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, we're both having a Chinese. Yeah. But what we're having is different. But I we're still love having that. a Chinese meal. Yeah, I love that analogy. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. Right? You go. Yeah, you... we both got rice. Yeah. We both got probably bamboo shoots and things in mm-hmm. and carrot and things like that. But something's different mm-hmm. to suit you because mm-hmm. you're vegan and you don't want the beef. Mm. I've tried tofu. It works sometimes, not all the time. Mm-hmm. I like the beef in the crisp. So it's the same thing, but it's adapted to what we want. It's why we have a menu. Exactly. That's what it is. It's about having a menu right? It's, it's about having like this, you, you know, it's variations on the same theme. But as you say, I really like that analogy, actually, Dale, that works really well for me. I might actually borrow that if you don't mind. No, it, let's go for it. It might turn I up think people book. see, <laughs> people think it is, well, let's go for a Chinese. And, and I look at you and go, well, you're a vegan. I'm, I, I'm not going to order you a Chinese in there. I'm literally going to bring you a carrot. Yeah. <laughs> That's what kind of people think. Yeah. It's you can't. You're a vegan. You can't access this Chinese restaurant. It's that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Kind of has got mm-hmm. a bit ingrained in this differentiation ideology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you go back to that simple statement, it's no, no, no. Don't restrict them. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not saying you can't have Chinese. Mm-hmm. You're saying how can I make Chinese work for you? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, though, this quote has been around since 1804, right? It's 1804. It's like 200, uh, it's nearly 220 years old, right? And it works perfectly. And if you just went back to, I mean, I don't know what it was like in your teacher training, but mine was, I mean, look, it was the 90s. You know, it was a long time ago. I got half a day on send and I'm dyslexic, right? And I declared myself as being dyslexic. So it was me doing a talk to the other students about dyslexia. So I was literally doing the SEND training for the rest of the group. I didn't get any training myself. Well, we did a little project on children who are visually impaired. But other than that, nothing. We did nothing else on SEND. And then you're off into the classroom. And then there's this word differentiation and nobody really defines it to you. And I found that myself. found that myself when I was in my first year of teaching and went, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. And then since then... You know, I've been on a massive journey with this, but there are some really simple principles about things that you can do on a day-to-day basis in your lesson without really much extra. It's going to take effort, yeah, but it's not going to take you hours and hours and hours. No, that, that's that's the thing. I and you go back to I, I don't have to plan that. It should be what are your needs? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're vegan. Cool. I can just have a quick look and make sure there's something vegany, not one vegan dish but there's a couple you've got a couple of options cool there's yeah there's a lot that's kind of what i need to do before we go out for that chinese meal but one thing i touch on is lots of people assume i'm a teacher mm-hmm. i find it quite fun i'm not a teacher Are you i never not? worked in a oh. school i used to go in and my mum my mum was a teacher she worked in a special school and i used to go in on my inset days and help out i loved being in there mm-hmm. when i was a child and when i went to college which was down the road i used to go and do all their it for them back in the 90s and stuff like that but I've worked for B Squared now for 22 years. But what I find interesting is how I read a government document and how teachers read a government document is completely different. And it's something that either you've gone through as teachers that have given you a really, I'm going to say the word chip on the shoulder, but it's, I would say that differentiation, you're supposed to do it, no one explains it to you, you do it, you get your understanding mm. based on maybe watching other teachers in your school, what they're doing, or you mm-hmm. find your, and that gives you your definition of something, which isn't actually the right definition, or is, and I, I find that sometimes people read things 
with a very different perspective to me. And I will just read it and go, that means this. Where I find teachers go, ah, with all my understanding of this, 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 this means this. And I find that really interesting that when I've read guide guidance on new curriculums and things like that, and I've talked to schools, it's been a really interesting conversation because we've got completely different understandings. Mm -hmm. And I just put it through that I've never been in that classroom where I've had that input and I've had the pressure put on me by others, my those expectations put on me, mm -hmm. sometimes through fear, sometimes through not understanding, sometimes lots of things that that's given me my understanding of the world. By me not going through that, I've got a very different perspective. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I get that. That's a really, that is really, really interesting, actually. That's a really interesting point of view. I think the thing about... Just be, the thing about I'm not belittling teachers, oh, no, 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 yeah? No, no, you no. are amazing. No, 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 absolutely. But you, you see things differently to the way I do, which I find fascinating. And I just have the government's document and no additional information to go on. So mm -hmm. I go by what it says. Mm -hmm. I've no idea if that's how the government means it. If they mean it with all the additional stuff, or if they mean it just simply, these are the 10 words you need to listen to. They have, they, okay, right. The, the, the DFE documents, I know a lot of people have been involved in preparing DFE documents, and generally speaking, they're, you know, good people who have a range of different experiences. It might be some parents, it might be some teachers, it might be some university people who do teacher training, but tend to have a panel of people. And I've always found them quite sensible and straightforward. And I think it's possibly part of my neurodivergence. But I always go, it means this, I must do that. Because, you know, I tend to take things very much on face value. And yep. I tend to take things quite literally yep. because of my neurodivergent brain. And if there's a rule, like this podcast, it said turn up 10 minutes before. So I'm there 10 minutes before in my seat, ready to go, because that's what the rules say. So I'm always like, you know, these are the rules. Okay, well, I stick to the rules then. That's fine. And it's straightforward. But it, it was always interesting, like, you know, working with neurotypical colleagues, because I go, okay, well, we're supposed to submit our this thing on this spreadsheet by Friday. So I've submitted it on Thursday just to make sure. And they've done it like, and they next week I've gone, oh, did you submit those things? And they went, oh, yeah, what about that? Was that, oh, oh okay. Gone, well, why haven't you? Oh, because it said, you know, like, oh, no, we didn't actually have to do it until Wednesday. Well, why did it send the email then? Friday. You know, so that's, there's stuff like that. But then also, I think as a teacher, a teacher is a role, right? It is a role that you play and you can become a bit institutionalized and i don't mean that as any in any kind of pejorative sense no. i mean that you are so ingrained in the community and you have so much of a sense of belonging to your status as a teacher and you play a role all day long you know we all mask to an extent i do a lot i'm neurodivergent but teachers play a role and you can start to think that you are that thing Right? You can start yeah. to think that you are part of that institution, that the institution, the school is you and you are the school, whereas you're not. You're an individual with a thinking brain, right? Yes. And that's not any kind of like negative reflection upon teachers. I'd also say as well, at the moment, it is literally the most stressful I've ever seen it. Now, yes. I, don't, I don't work in a school. I work for schools. I'm employed by schools. But I go to different schools. But so at the end of the day, I can walk away. You know, I get to leave. And if it was really, really stressful for me, I'd chill out. A couple of days later, I go to another school. So I've got a different experience. Whereas they're there all day, every day. And when you are stressed, it's really hard to be curious. And in order to do this, in order to really, really do differentiation strategies properly, you need to be curious about how you can help that particular child that's in front of you. And that's regardless of whether they're neurodivergent or have additional SEN needs that you know about or whether they are neurotypical, you, you can adapt. You're going to need to adapt the way in which you do things for the child who's in front of you, which is what that pedagogical tact quote from Herbert is all about. And I, I, that is, it is that curiosity. I always say time, but it is that sort of thing is, Teachers are very, 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 keep going for another million years, time poor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are literally firefighting. You're supposed to be somehow getting ahead somehow. Don't know how that's supposed to happen. 
but you are literally you, you do not have time to go hmm there's a new government document i'm going to read this and you know spend a couple of days thinking about what it really means within the context of my school mm-hmm. so you won't read that 70 page document what you'll do is you'll grab someone's interpretation of it from somewhere which might have a slight bias. It might focus on things that are important to that person, might skim over some really crucial bits, which would really help you. And I see, I see, I see that happen a lot, that every time there's a government document, there's um, quite a few summaries come out. So we've, mm-hmm. we're in the zone of the green paper, the white paper, the SCND and AP improvement plan. And you see these documents come out from the government, and then you see all these summaries and I find it quite interesting as I do look at the whole document, I read it, and then I read these summaries and going, that's interesting, they've not mentioned anything about this, or that person's, that person who does teacher training has only talked about the qualifications around teach. And you, you sit there and there's a bias, even slight, mm-hmm. in each of these documents because it's based on that person's experience. So if you then read that, you're not getting the full document, mm-hmm. you're getting a bit of it. But that's all teachers have time for. And I think if we come back to differentiation, I think that's kind of what happened with differentiation Mm -hmm. is the word is put out there, but not with a clear understanding of what that expectation is. Mm -hmm. And then people might talk about how they're differentiating in their class without giving much context. And I do think Twitter is a bit of a thing for this and also any social media. You can't, you don't give much information. You just give a, Oh, I've got a child in my class, and for him, I differentiated by doing this, this, this. And you go, wow, that's completely different. Didn't mention how far behind that pupil is or anything, mm. but made it sound like you do very different things, but without any context to why. And then that person, it just, it's like Chinese whispers goes around. Is that bad? The idea that it is very different starts to spread because bad news always travels faster than good news. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, you know, when I first started teaching, like I said, many moons ago, 23 years ago, one of my colleagues described differentiation as being death by a thousand worksheets. Yep. And there was this thing at the time where you had to produce, like, physically different work for different children and adapt textbooks. You don't need to adapt textbooks. I mean, you do if they've got a visual impairment or perhaps if they're printed on the wrong colour paper, you might need to do that, for example, for a child who's got Irland syndrome. But, you know, apart from visual impairment, there really is no reason why you would need to adapt a textbook. You can just, you just use the textbook in a different way. You can use the same textbook for the entire class and they can all get different things out of it, you know? You can still be yes. doing things. And I, bear in mind, I used to teach modern languages. So, you know... But that's the thing there. Again, same textbook and all the children are getting different things out of it. Yet your children, even though the other 29, are not going to get the same thing out of that textbook. Yeah, absolutely. They're all going to get something different. Yeah, exactly. And there are lots of different ways you can do that. I mean, you know, you could just prioritisation. So, example, you know, you give you give certain children certain questions to do, right? So, you know. Marie, I want you to do just questions nine and ten because you're going to write in longer sentences. And um, Sophie, I want you to do one, two, and three. And Abdullah and Jacob, I want you to do five and six. And then eventually, everybody gets together, and you go through all of the questions, and you've all got all the information. But you've got like you're you're basically working as a team to get it done. The exercise gets done a lot quicker, and everybody gets out of it what they need to do. Right. So that's that's prioritization. That's prioritizing. You know. You, what you need for each particular child and that can be done in a class full of entirely neurotypical children i've never met a class entirely full of neurotypical children but there must be some because everybody tells me they don't have any sen children in their class which is amazing considering it's 20 percent of the population I, I always find that interesting and i look i look at my daughter's class and working in this when she was at primary school i remember in reception we used to walk in the woods i think the third trip i literally went those three are on the spectrum without a doubt mm-hmm. and they are what's interestingly it was the boys presentation i didn't pick up any of the girls and as i've learned through this podcast about the girls presentation i've now gone ah oh, there were three girls mm-hmm. and i think about it again it's just without really going in depth but just some of the how they present and things like that so that was in one class i personally 
think there are six children out of that 30. That's about right. Oh, look, 20%. Mm-hmm. How many needed an EHCP? One out of those mm-hmm. five. I'd probably say that's about right. Yeah, only one of them didn't work, didn't, didn't, I'm going to say survive at that school. Doesn't sound great, but that is actually what happened. He didn't survive at that school, went somewhere mm-hmm. else. The other five did their sats, did this, did this. I would say didn't get maybe huge support, but what I don't know is did the teacher, as they went through lessons, just tweak things for those children? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of them was a very factual based. Yeah. Lots of information coming out about what he was interested in, which at the right thing was dying. You know, that sort of quite stereotypical, I know everything about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So the teachers may have tweaked things for that child. Yeah. That's differentiation. Yeah, that's, that's all it is, really. That's all it is. And it's just like, you know, if you've got a special interest, then that's an absolute gift, right? I don't know whether you've spoken to or you know anything about, you know, Pete Warnby, he's an autistic author, he used to be a former English teacher. There's a fantastic book called What I Want to Talk About, which is, might be a good guest, actually. He talks about using your special in- what special interests mean to autistic people. And he talks about how it's been really useful for him as a teacher as well as, you know, an autistic person. And there's been so many times when I have, to get skills out of a child, I've used a special interest. Yes. To engage them. Like, for example, I had one little girl who was completely all, all about guinea pigs. We did ratio through the medium of guinea pigs. We did writing to persuade through the medium of guinea pigs. We did all sorts of different lessons so that she would get the skills out that she needed through the medium of guinea pigs, right? So that's just, you know, that, that's changing the format somewhat. You know, that's a relatively easy thing to do that I can just, ru- I could just run alongside the rest of the class. Yeah. And you, don't, you can't do it for absolutely everything, but if you can just get little tiny bits in there, you know, another example of that that worked really well was I had a boy who was completely and utterly fixated, like passionate about caravans, particularly though, there's you no know, 1950s streamline, really oh, shiny yes. ones. They are pretty cool, right? They are pretty they cool. Are. So he really liked those. And we were doing about the Vikings and he didn't like reading text. So I, t- I just hid these little tiny pictures of different, shrunk them down really tiny, these little pictures of caravans throughout the text. So he read the text to see them. And he just went, he, he, I'd say, okay, so can you describe a Viking longhouse? He'd go, yes, it was a meeting house for all of the Viking people. And also, it was a 1962 streamline, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> at the end of that sentence. I just like, Love it. it. You know, it wasn't difficult for me to do. It took me five minutes because I was t- typing out a worksheet anyway, so I just put some little pictures in it. So one thing I'm going to throw in here with differentiation is the power of chat GPT. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love it. So you mentioned guinea pigs, which I just find quite fascinating. The reason for that is my colleague John's niece is doing her GCSEs and still didn't quite get electricity. So he asked ChatGPT, can you explain electricity using guinea pigs as a metaphor? And he was like, the voltage is how fast a guinea pig runs on its wheel. The ampage is if you have more guinea pigs running on the wheel, they're still running at the same speed, but there's more like momentum, inertia. It's harder for that wheel to stop. I love that. And it's literally it explained it using guinea pigs. That is such, oh my God. Do you know what? I'm just, I have just started using AI. I've just started using AI and I'm a bit loving it. I'm just finding it like there are so many applications for it in terms of just making this whole thing so much easier for you but i love that it's so brilliant and you just combine a couple of two if you have a textbook let's say or any book with let's say high level text yeah with your phone these days especially on an iphone android do it as well i'm not even sure you can now take a photo select the text pull it out of there into something else on your phone mm-hmm. you could then go to chat gpt can you rewrite this to a reading age of eight Mm -hmm. and paste the text in and push enter? And it will now take that text and rewrite it. Maybe get rid of some of those longer words, shorten it, but keep the meaning. Mm -hmm. So now that child has got an easy to access text. It might miss some really nuanced stuff, Mm -hmm. which they like me probably would completely miss anyway, because I never got the nuances and stuff. 
and but it gives them the same text. Mm-hmm. Yes, and now when they go, well, who was who was Juliet? Who was Romeo? Why did they can read a slightly different version that you haven't had to create yourself and spend ages rewriting? ChatGPT has simplified it for mm-hmm. you. You probably even go, can you give me a short, definite explanation of Romeo and Juliet with Rene Juliet? And it was, I love that that it can actually. You're not saying you have to do a completely different book because you're not at this level. You're just using chat GPT to make that text slightly more accessible because mm-hmm. if it was an actual modern-day English, they might understand it a bit better. Anything like that, you're just removing the barrier to access. You can simplify it. And then you might find if you present them the same questions as the rest of the class, they might be able to do it. Yeah, you've worked out what is that barrier, and it's the text. It's not necessarily the questions, it's the text mm-hmm. that they have to do. So let's can we so yeah, chat GPT is a phenomenal tool that can do things like that really, really well. But yeah, I never thought of it. Every time I I, I love it. every time I chat GPT every week, I'm learning something new. Mm-hmm. And the idea of explaining electricity using guinea pigs as a metaphor, that blew me away when he told me this. I was just like that is amazing oh it's phenomenal but it's just like all that is right in terms of in terms of like you're saying with the text adaptation is that's a really simple way of adjusting the complexity it's a really simple way that's going to take you minutes because you've seen how quick it comes up on the screen you've literally just got to type something in and then it tells you all that and then you know like you say copy, copy, copy and paste it across adjusting the complexity is a relatively simple way of doing that you know, yes. uh, it's, uh, that's just, I love it. I do, I really, uh, you know, I'm pretty keen on AI as a, I mean, look, I'm a bit of an early adopter because, you know, dyslexia and you have to, I've always had to use tech quite a lot, but yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. So yeah, have a look at it, but yeah, it is. But at the moment I've changed that text, I have what's called differentiated. Mm-hmm. If we go back to 1804 definition, he obviously wouldn't use AI. No. He might have done in eighteen oh four. I don't know how he would have differentiated, but he might just have given him a bit of an explanation, a bit of a a simile or something. It's like when you do this, and you go, oh, just to help that child's understanding. So just if you're walking around, just in your classroom with all your age related expectation children on one table, you say something slightly different, or you give it an explanation in a slightly different way, you have differentiated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it is different, if you have given something to someone which is different, you have differentiated. Well, yeah, that's absolutely it. I mean, it's not like... It's a scale. It's a scale. Yeah, it is. It's a scale. But also as well, like there there are so many things you can do on the fly once you know your student, right? I did, I, yes. I'll be honest. I, did, I don't particularly rate my particular PGC at the time when I did it. But one of the things that they did say is know your pupil, right? So if you get to know the kids as much as possible, as soon as possible, then you can quite quickly work out how you do your differentiation strategies and you can do most of them completely on the fly. Like I said, you know, adjusting the rate, so giving them more processing time. I saw a brilliant example of this in a, in a grammar school that I work with. So there's a boy who, he, autistic, ADHD, dyslexic, dyspraxic, but he's in a grammar school, yeah? So he's bright, really, really bright. And they were doing poetry and it's a really high level poem with a lot of depth and meaning etc in it and the teacher did this amazing thing so he went up and he goes okay right I want you to look at the first stanza and I want you to talk about the character development in this stanza and then he went away for five minutes worked with the whole rest of the class right and explained various different things to him then came back to that boy and he gave the most phenomenal explanation about the characterization because he had five minutes to do it in and it's just the fact that they gave him this processing time and that was in a grammar school, right? This child ended up with really excellent GCSEs. He's on doing A-levels now. This is when he was about, I think he was in year 10 when I did this work with him, right? But it can be done. It's, you know, adjusting the rate and giving processing time is a very, very simple, straightforward thing. And in fact, I'd always say that's the number one tip that I would give everyone. Definitely. So as I just said, I'm just going to differentiation is a scale. Yeah. yeah? So at one end, we have that sort of thing we have just giving one table an explanation in a different way or maybe you've explained it on the board you're now giving a more physical demonstration on the board so they can see things moving around so maybe on the on the uh, table that is kind of one end the other end is a special school mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. this child fits in here works well here this child needs lots and lots and lots and lots of extra support special school mm-hmm. 
And we have a very much sliding scale in between. And to me, the sliding scale, which is in the same classroom, isn't as big as people think it is. If they're in the same classroom, they should be on the same work. Yeah, so I know of schools where if you have year six, we're doing this year electricity, but this child is working at year one, and in year one they do seasonal changes, and they do this with year six, electricity, and they do seasonal changes with year one because that's appropriate. No, mm-hmm. that's not what you do. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do that electricity at the level of a year one. Yeah. Yeah. So they're involved. You don't isolate. Yeah. It is about keeping them in, in much within their peers mm-hmm. and the work they're doing, the topic they're doing, the text they're doing as possible. I mean, that example is not differentiation, that's exclusion. But that is what, when I read, I was, before I was, I was reading, mm-hmm. so you, got here at, you got here at five past nine, I was still reading all about differentiation, scaffolding and adaptive. We'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. And I was just reading, but the, the people were kind of saying that that is what differentiation no, is and that's why it's bad. No, I'm going, no, no. no. No, that's no, that is, we have that sliding scale. Yeah. If they really needed something so different, completely different, they probably wouldn't be in your class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. If they belonged in a special school, then they'd be in a special school now, you know, if there aren't enough spaces, right? It, it, yes. And we have, but we have then have resource bases yes. where you've actually gone, actually, these do need something different to what's going on. So we have a scale, but if they're in your class, you shouldn't be doing, here's your work and here's your mm-hmm. work. It should be, here's our work. And for you, I've done a little bit extra or I'll come and check on you or we'll do this or I've simplified that text mm-hmm. or things like that. And for you, because you are the gifted, is I'm going to push you much higher than the rest. Because that is, differentiation goes both oh, ways. Oh, yeah, this is the thing. This is why I'm saying, right? It's supposed to be for the entire, well, you know, average class size of 30 every single child should be getting something out of it, right? And there yes. isn't enough at that top end either as well. And you can get children who are what's called double exceptional as well. So there might be, there might be, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 For those who couldn't see the screen, Dale just pointed to himself. <laughs> I will be doing a podcast shortly with Finton about that. But I have, I have some of my school reports and it's so funny going back. And one of them, if you look at the, Dale doesn't pay attention in class. He's easily distracted. He's blah, blah, blah. If only he'd put some effort in, he'd do really well. But on the top of my report, it says the exam average for the year, 47%. Dale's score, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I was a horrible child to teach. You've probably heard this. Yeah, I put the least effort in. It went in. Mm -hmm. It just went in. Photographic memory, whatever it is, it went in. And I could just regurgitate it onto that page with no effort. No, I never revised. I never did anything. It was just in there. I was never pushed. Mm. They didn't use my interests. Mm-hmm. One of them goes, Dale should have done more. And I'm literally my head going, I was 12 years old. And I did everything you asked for me. How am I supposed to come up with my own stuff? And it was all, if you look at it, it's all put on me. But it is, yeah. You, every child should be pushed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they need to be stretched within their capacity to be able to do so. And that's one of the that's one of the massive problems here is that people are understanding that differentiation is for all of the children. And, you know, the neurodiversity means everybody in the class. And like I said, double exceptional children are children who are extremely bright, but also have a neurodivergent condition or two. So you might have your autistic ADHD child, like, for example, this boy who was talking about in the grammar school, he'd be considered to be double exceptional, right? He got like, he was in the top 10% of the scores for the exam to get into that school. And bear in mind, this is a grammar school where there are children from all over the county, in fact, all over the southwest that come to, like he was extraordinarily bright, but he was also, he also had a massive processing difference because of his neurodivergent. And that teacher recognized that and did a really simple thing to change that. Right. And he was being stretched because he had a whole stanza to look at and the rest of the class looking at it line by line, word by word. So he was doing he was actually doing work that was was much more within his intellectual capacity as well as having the time to process. And that's a simple thing to do. The teacher didn't need to make any more worksheets. He didn't need to change the topic. Nothing. He just needed to give him some time to process it. Definitely. And that's the thing. 
we've got to let go of, if you've read the differentiation which says this must be this, it's like, that's wrong. That's not differentiation. So we've seen, and I've heard, I've heard people going, you cannot use the term differentiation. It's now scaffolding. Yes. And I'm sort of going, well, if it's supporting and you're putting it in for that child and not that child, that's just different. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that's differentiation. It's just within that term of differentiation. You just obviously have a very bad definition of differentiation. Mm -hmm. Scaffolding is temporary. Mm -hmm. But what I love about that is that understanding what temporary means. Yeah. As you learn to drive, you start off with someone who has a spare set of pedals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they use that quite a bit. And after a while, they don't need it. They could be taken away, but they still might have to grab your wheel. Yeah. They still might have to do other things. So just because one support isn't taken away, it's not that all support is taken away, which I think some people assume with scaffolding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scaffolding is kind of constant. Yeah. So you put the scaffolding up to build the, first, the ground floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you finish that, you don't really need that scaffolding, but you also need it to then build the second floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you do the new thing, you still need scaffolding. It's the scaffolding is temporary on those skills, but that child might often need scaffolding as they attack new skills. But the whole time you're scaffolding, what you're doing is you're something different to the rest of the class. Yeah. That's basically it. So go through all the definitions of scaffolding and that's thing i hear this temporary bit but it's like yes if you are teaching me crocheting at the first level you're going to have a lot of scaffolding where someone else might get it then i move on to the next thing it's like well i don't get this you're going to put that support in yeah so scaffolding is that constant another one i keep seeing is adaptive mm -hmm. adaptive teaching so you adapt what you're doing now, if i just take the word adapt different or differentiate and rewrite that whole thing, it's going to read exactly the same. Yes. But it's a new buzzword. And we like well, that in like, education. Well, you know, we just had quality first teaching as well for a while, didn't we? You know? Now it's high quality teaching. And then I have seen recently used more and more excellent teaching. Okay. I've seen it in a couple of government documents now, this term excellent teaching. Well, I thought we moved away from excellent because we used to have excellent as an offset rating and then it became outstanding, didn't it? Oh, it's coming back. You know, always things goes around in yeah, circles. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, they are, let's face it, right? It's been around since 1804. I think we've established this is a lot. You're right. This this has been around a while. This is no, not newfangled. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think possibly the reason that the government feel that they continuously need to repackage the same thing is because teachers get compassion fatigue about it. You know, like, like we said, they're time, time yeah. poor and everything's really, really stressful. And you think, oh, my God, I've got to teach this entire syllabus and then I've got to make it different for him or for her. Oh my, how am I possibly going to do that? Oh, we've got this brilliant new idea. It's called scaffolding. Don't worry. It's only temporary. You'll only have to do it for a little while. And this is the thing, right? No one learns in a straight line, do they? No one learns nope. in a straight line. Another thing I do is I do I do training on TAs, right? On working with your TA for teachers, right? And I work with another I work with a teaching assistant and we do the training together. And it's one of the things about that is there's there's kind of a hierarchy of what TAs need to do in the classroom. And I keep I always say, right? No one learns in a straight line. Doesn't matter how much the government statistics and the you know your mat or your local authority statistics want children to learn in a straight line. They don't, right? You have good learning days and you have bad learning days. And uh, right, for example, you went back. You said driving, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been driving as long as I've been teaching, which is twenty three years. Right. I drive every day. There are some days when my parallel parking is absolutely top notch and amazing, and there's other days when I can barely remember how to turn a corner. Do you, have, do you have days where you just think, I don't know how to drive, you know? I, I know what you mean, is you literally, you just line up for that parking and it's the same parking space you use time and time and again and you just get it Yeah, you just can't, you've got wrong. no idea. You're in a bay parking and there's six spaces either side of you and you can't get between the white lines. Whereas other days you can park in this tiny little uphill backwards with a camber in the road, parallel parking, and you're amazing. Why is that? <sighs> There's just no reason for that. It's because we don't learn the different. We, we don't use our skills the same on every single day. 
And I used to have this really great yoga teacher and she used to say, if you're having a beginner's day, do this. If you're having an intermediate day, do this. And if you're having an advanced day, do this. And the thing is, right, within one person, your skills can vary from day to day. Yes. Right? You have days, where, oh, if you're a teacher as well, you're going to have days where you teach blinder and you wish, wish, wish Austin had been there and someone had been there with a camera. If you did an amazing lesson, right, you can teach the exact same lesson to a different group of year seven on a wet Wednesday afternoon and it all goes to pop. Yeah. Even if you've been teaching like 20 years. Yes. I, I read a thing where, you know, we've got this whole, I'm a visual learner, I'm a kinesthetic oh, yeah, learner, yeah. I'm a mm-hmm. this learner. Mm-hmm. What I learned is, or sorry, again, again, it's an opposing theory, is it's not the learner, it's the topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So generally, you're going to learn that topic in a more visual way or a more practical way or this. Mm-hmm. Whereas that topic, you're going to learn in a different way. And that's the thing is, it's there are so many reasons why a child might get one thing really well and fly with that. And then another thing they're really going to struggle with. And it is, there's so many variables that I cannot list them all. Some of them are internal to the child and all their experiences. Some are the topic, some are your interest with that topic. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that go into that. It's really various. So you can't just say it's linear. It will never be linear. No, and that's why you have to adapt things on different days as well. And it's just like as well, you know, like I said, I was a modern languages teacher and I used to get bored with the year seven syllabus. Right, because it's just it's just all vocabulary. It's just vocabulary after like piles and piles of vocabulary. Like I used to hate, hate teaching pets, right? Because it's just a whole bunch. It's just a list of animals, really. And so I used to get really bored with doing that. So pretty much every single time I taught that lesson, and I'd have like four classes of year seven, and and I teach every single one of them completely differently. And it was yes, it was partly because of the children who were in front of me. They still ended up learning the 12 different types of animals that we had on the list. But I would teach them all completely differently because I would personally get bored with what I was teaching. <laughs> I would get bored yes. with my own topic. So, you know, there's, lo- there's lots of reasons why to do this as well. Like, you know, you might f- find that a particular area, like, you know, the other one I taught was computing. I used to hate doing Excel spreadsheets and find it really dull. It's really, Excel is really dull until you have a need for yeah, it. Yeah, and then it's cool. But if you don't have a need for it, then it's really, really boring. So when I used to teach Excel spreadsheets, I always used to say, okay, we're going to do like, we're going to do this topic of this. And, you know, so I'd make the, int- the information that went into it yeah. different every single time because it would keep me on my toes. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's lots of reasons why you might not learn in a straight line. And it's why I'm saying differentiation, all of this stuff is not just for your SEND children. It is for everyone in the class. And that includes you. And the other thing is as well, you might be lucky enough to be working with one of those rare people who is a teaching assistant. You know, they're few and far between these days, but they are worth their weight in gold, even though they get paid beans. They may need you to adapt things so that you can support them to do the work yeah. because they might it might not be their strongest or most interested topic on the other hand they might be hugely passionate about the topic and you're not so keen on it so flip the whole thing on the head and get them to do the input and you go and do the support that's the different way but you do differentiation isn't it it is it's you're playing your strengths yeah, yeah? and you also that's the thing is that excel thing again is another example of you differentiating to and that's the thing. If we go to, I'm going to go to the engagement model, which the government's engagement model, the way they've done it is complete pile of mm-hmm. rubbish. That's a whole different thing. But the underlying concept that Barry Carpenter and all that research says is if children are more engaged, then out, more learning outcomes will happen. Absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah, that is a fundamental thing that happens everywhere in every single thing in life. Yeah. If you're on the phone call to someone and they're just droning on about something, you are going to fall asleep. Yeah. There is engagement going on in everything. So your job as a teacher is to get your children engaged in that learning so that they can absorb and learn. Mm -hmm. So differentiating by using something relevant in Excel. Yeah. And you might be at a boys school and they're all talking football, very stereotypical, but you use that. Or it might be Great British Bake Off or something or whatever's relevant that you can hook in with this group that actually, or you just say, what do you want to do? The skills are often the same. Mm The topic can change and you can have lots of fun with that. And if they're engaged, they're going to get more Mm -hmm. out of it. 
Same with your story about teaching the 12 animals. I cannot remember a single one, so it really didn't work in my school if that was a thing back then. <laughs> no idea. I don't even remember that at all. But that's another thing. You are differentiating, yeah? yeah. Not for different abilities. No. You are differentiating so you are engaged so that they are engaged. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because, like, you know, that is the whole point. Okay, so we talked about AI, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things about oh, you won't be teaching anymore because you've got AI now. It was the same sort of things when Google came out because that's how old I am, right? <laughs> right, I, I, I remember. I, do you, I used to use Dogpile. Do you remember ever come across God, Dogpile? Yeah, that's so old. Because that was really good. Because search engines were so bad. Dogpile went around like eight different search engines. Depending on your search, one search engine will be better than the rest. But then the next search will be completely wrong. So Dogpile gave you answers from all of them, which was great. And then Google came along and it all went. Yeah, well, I, I just remember, I remember when Google first came out, which I would have been like my second year of teaching or something like that, because like I said, old. And everyone went, oh, this is the end of teaching. It's never going to, we don't need any, children need anything. They can just Google absolutely everything in the entire world. Well, the thing is, you still need that human touch, right? Because we are hard, yeah. hardwired for connection. We are hardwired for connection. So AI is going to make our lives as teachers a hell of a lot easier. It's going to make the students' life a hell of a lot easier as well. It's not going to replace us, though. It's not going to no. replace humans. And all we're doing with that is, you know, you, like I said, you're just changing the complexity or you're changing the way the information has been presented. Or you're just, you know, using a special interest is changing the way an inform- information is presented. And that is like one of the key skills in terms of differentiation. I, I think AI, but also I think AI is we might get away from just writing lots and lots of text. I know mm-hmm. essays for most way up into secondary school have just gone. But it is rather than just do that, is actually changing how we learn completely. So it's not this rote learning, it's actually it's all about engagement. I read something that hopefully we'll get into more into project based work mm-hmm. and discussions. We're actually using it because if you ask a question and chat GPT can just regurgitate on that and they just learn that regurgitation, they're not really learning. Mm-hmm. So we now have to shift the learning to go, okay, actually putting that knowledge in that context is going to help you learn. Yeah, I'm quite optimistic about it because I live in Wales and we've just, you know, I don't know whether you've seen anything about the Welsh curriculum. We, as B squared, we had broken down that Welsh curriculum. I know all about the uh, progression steps, scriptures of learning, AOLEs. Oh, yes, I am up to date with all that curriculum for Wales. It's good though, isn't it? I like it. It's really good and it's much more child-centred and it's much more project-based and it's much more about skills rather than outcomes and it's much more preparing the children for the 21st century that they actually already live in. Show off. (laughs) You're in Wales getting ready for the 21st century. (laughs) I like In in the Scottish curriculum, which is similar to the Welsh because it's based on the same thing, the first area in reading is and writing and listening and talking the first area in each of those is enjoyment and choice yeah, i remember seeing that for the first time i went yeah we got rid of that in england <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, differentiation is you've just got to look what does, what does different mean mm-hmm. yeah if we bought the exact same car there would still be something different about it even if it is just your radio preset mm-hmm. and that radio preset that music suits you as you drive down the road. That music suits me as I drive down the road. I'm not driving faster because the speed limit is 70 for both mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. And nothing really else is different, but that music station helps me be more engaged and your music station helps you be more engaged. Yeah. It's the same car, everything about it, but a slight tweak makes you more engaged and me more engaged. It's the same. We've got to start with don't start at the bottom end of differentiation. Mm-hmm. You've got to start at the other end. What slight change can I do? Yeah, like I was told I had feedback from a lesson. Oh, God, it must have been like maybe even 15 years ago that really like stuck in my head and made me feel a bit sad. Where the, the person observing it said, oh, yeah, it was really excellent lesson, Katrina. But what I think you need to do is to start differentiating up. So start with the bottom of the class and work up from there. I was just like, oh God, that's just so hopeless. That's just such a hopeless way of going about things. I just don't like that. It just made me feel sad because I've got that means that I've got to choose who's bottom of the class first, work out where exactly that bottom is, and then and go up from there. I don't want to do that. That's not how I work. I don't think that's very good for the children, and I don't think that's very good for me either. 
that's that's the sort of thinking which might work in that class in a grammar school where that bottom is slightly behind the middle and the top. Mm. But when you get to another school where there really is no special school places and everyone's getting whatever child you get and your bottom is a long way behind your middle and your mm. top, then that makes no sense at all. And that's the thing. I think we have these sound bites mm-hmm. around differentiation or things like that. And that, that, almost, that thing there is almost like a tweet, a tweet mm-hmm. yeah? There's a lot of context around that, yeah, which should have been included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of additional information and context, and in this type of this is this is what I've done. But no, we just go for these really simple statement. But that person we're saying it to doesn't have all that knowledge and our experience, or even know what our experience mm-hmm. is to understand what we really mean. To me, differentiation—you start the middle, mm-hmm. and you differentiate up and down—would be me personally. Well, it doesn't even have to be that. You start with the topic. You start with the subject, yeah. you think about what you want to get the children to get right. So, okay, right. So, you know, like in, in you've probably talked, spoken to occupational therapists, they have this thing called backwards chaining. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. Right. So, no. backwards chaining is I want, I, I want Bradley to be able to put his socks on, but Bradley can't put his socks on, right? So, you go through the whole thing and you have the sock put on, and that's the final part. And then you backwards change it, chain it of what are all the steps that Bradley needs in order to put his socks okay. on, right? So, first of yep. all, you would just put the sock over the bottom of his toe and he'd have to pull it up halfway right you'd help Bradley to do that over a few days or weeks right and then you'd pull it over his ankle and he'd have to pull it up right and then you break it down into into he would put it on his toe then pull it over his ankle then pull it up so it's three different steps so you fit you started with the finish point which is I want Bradley to be able to put his sock on and then you break it down into the steps so that's how yeah. I would do it. If I wanted to say, okay, I want I, I want Kieran to be able to understand what a Viking longhouse is, right? That's my yeah. end point. And then I go back to what am I going to need, for, what are the steps to, for me to get Kieran to understand that? And it's got to involve caravans, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I need Alice to understand ratio. I need her to be able to understand ratio because we're going to be doing some cooking and she needs to know what ratios of stuff to make the cake, right? So yeah. I need to be able to, so what steps do I need for her to be able to do ratio? And it's got to be through the medium of guinea pigs. Yeah. And then you've got another child who is who you're doing ratios with at an atomic level. Yeah. Because they are that, that's exactly. where they are. And in fact, they're doing stuff that's way above and beyond that. And you might bring in some fractions, decimals, percentages into that and some word problems. And, you know, and you might get them to make up their own recipe. And you say, okay, well, this is how much we, we're going to make, you know, three litres of ice cream. How would we do if we wanted to make 16 litres of ice cream? Right. How would we work that out? There's other different ways in which you can do that. But you're still doing ratio. Yes. You are just adjusting the complexity just adjusting to based the on the complexity which is a perfectly straightforward thing to do and doesn't actually take you that much effort to do and won't take you a huge amount of time but it does take you some thought in order for you to be yeah. able to think that first of all you need to know like you know i'm i'm in my book i'm writing nine strategies um i'm going to break it down into a course which i'm going to be la- launching in september for people it's going to be really really short little tiny videos and then you know a little ebook to go with it and some exercises to do and then some live chats where we can talk about how to do that and it's just it's just about tweaking your day-to-day practice and being mindful to exactly like the pedagogical tax said it's, it's looking at the child in front of you look at the individual in front of you making appropriate decisions to allow the students to make the most out of the lesson that's what it should be and you know and i'm really hopeful I'm, i don't know hope, hope this comes across there but i'm a really optimistic person and I believe in teachers. I, I think I believe in teachers, although I moan about a lot. Is I'm not moaning about teachers. I'm moaning about the pressures that are put on you and expectations and what you have to do and all that lot. But I reckon most teachers, if at the end of the day they reflected on anything they did slightly different for any pupil, I'm not just talking you're less able or you're gifted or anything like that. I am just talking about any slight tweak for any child that you have done in that day, that was differentiation. Mm-hmm. It is a very big sliding scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you know that one child always comes in hyper 
after, I'm going to say deregulated is the uh, correct mm-hmm. term, but I'm going to say hyper, mm-hmm. comes in after lunch very, yeah, and you just give them, a, oh, can you take the register mm-hmm. to the office? Because you know that just that walk and back just helps them regulate. That's called differentiation. Mm-hmm. You've identified the need. This is what helps. That what we do. They're now ready for learn. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't have to be these huge things, which I think that differentiation, that is what it's seen as, is horrible big things. It's, yeah, it's seen as horrible and big and stressful and something that puts extra pressure on teachers and a stick to beat them with. And it's yes. not. It's not. It's actually going to make your life easier, right? Yes. It's going to make you your life easier. If you're lucky enough to have TA in the class, it's going to be make their life easier. You're going to be able to work as a team better. And all of the students, all of the students, because this is for the whole 30 or however many, I mean, you might have 32 and you could even have 38 in some schools, the way things are going, because it's such a massive shortage yep. of teachers. But in order for you to make it possible for all of those children, these are the tiny little tweaks you say. And like you say, it could just be opening the, the book to the correct page because they find difficulty finding the right page in the book or holding up yes. the book and pointing to the page so they know which one they're finding. That could be a really simple way of differentiating. It might just be at the end of the day, you say, this is what we're starting with tomorrow. And by the time they come in tomorrow, they have a kind of schedule for what's happening that day in your class in primary, secondary, you have your timetable anyway. So, but again, for some children, that just gives them confidence that they know what's coming. Mm-hmm. That might start a load of children that make no difference, but for a couple of children, that really helps. And all those are reasonable adjustments. Yeah. And you can always blend between differentiation and reasonable oh, yeah. adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable adjustments is differentiation within the rules. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great definition. That's a great definition. If I don't see those in your book accredited to me, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I will say Dale says, it will say, quote, Dale says, because the thing is, this is recorded, so I can go back and rewind yes. it as many times as I like once it comes out. <laughs> but it, to me, I think it gets back to this bad news travels fast and this horrible big thing the government's doing and we need to do this. And it just, and also I love that bit you said about how do you, after three years time, get people really excited about quality first Mm -hmm. teaching? It's because we call it something new and do exactly the same training we did three years ago, but with a different color slide Mm -hmm. and a different logo in the background. And now it's a new thing. But partly it is, it is a way of keeping people remembering those things. And I think perhaps that's a neurotypical thing that I don't understand or things like that. But it does work, but only so far. And if you get to a certain point, you're going, hang on, I've seen this for the fourth time. (laughs) You start being a bit more jaded. But yeah, differentiation, just to really summarise, isn't as bad, complicated or evil as you think. It is as little or as big as it needs to be mm-hmm. but generally you start at little yeah and there's just there's there's nine really simple ways of doing that which we pretty much run through during this you know and it's it's you're doing like you know speaking to teachers who are out there you're doing this stuff every single day right you might not even be thinking yes. of these things as being differentiation right because you think it's this big complex thing it's not right it is no. good teaching right? It is you just thinking, okay, well, little Albert finds it hard to find the page. So I'm going to hold the book up and I'm going to show him which page it is, right? You know, Sophie likes to sit next to the window because she gets too hot. So I'm going to open the window for her and let her sit there. That's an adaptation. That's an adaptation that helps Sophie to concentrate better because she gets too hot and sunny sunny days and you've got a really sunny classroom, right? It's It's little things like that. That is differentiation. Where you sit a child in the classroom is differentiation. You know, yeah. which which other children you sit in the next to is differentiation. Your whole seating plan is differentiation. You're doing you are literally doing things differently for every single child in that classroom. All we want you to do is do it mindfully and notice that you're doing it and notice when stuff works and do that more and notice when it doesn't work and do it less. That's yeah. it. It is it's just yeah, don't stop big, start yeah. small. Yeah. You don't go, let's go to the beach and take everything you need to. You generally go the first time and go, oh, I wish I'd bought mm-hmm. this. You, you make adjustments over time and you build up and you work out this is, the best, this is a good level for supporting this child. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up. We've gone on for a while. We've covered a lot we of content. We actually has. I've um, really enjoyed it though, actually. It's been a really good chat. Thank you.
And I do now fancy Chinese takeaway, so I might have to look at that. <laughs> oh, tonight. yeah, that's on the menu for tonight, I think. Yes. So thank you for coming to the show today. There's things we've mentioned, and Katrina's given me contact details, links to her blog, her Facebook. So you'll be sharing all of that within the show notes, and you'll find the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast, but also on our website, thesendcast.com. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, please share with everyone on social media. So you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're just the Sendcast. So just share us with as many people as possible so they all find the amazing podcast. And it's not amazing because of me, it's my guests. I learn lots every day and I love it. Um, and as always, if you are struggling to show progress, if you are just, you don't have much. And that's the thing, just to touch on everything, is differentiation you have to know where the children are mm. to know what to differentiate. If your assessment system just says below, yeah, that's why you're struggling to differentiate because you don't know where they are. Whole other thing. But have a look at the B Squared website or book a free online meeting with me so I can take you through our product so I can help you say, realize where children are, yeah, APDR and all that stuff. It starts with assessment. And we have a range of assessment products to help schools show small steps of progress for people's SCND for schools in England, for Wales, with a new curriculum for Wales, if you're in Scotland, we have lots. So please get in contact. And you can also find out about our online training, my webinars that I do, read our blog or anything else. It is all on the B Squared website and you'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting with me in the show notes. You can also drop me an email. My email address is dale at bsquared.co.uk. Nice and simple. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.